welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods to see if it still holds up. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode three. The title is The Thief of Budapest. Um, what did you think about this episode? I like loved it and finally it feels like we're watching MacGyver. Yes, I really liked this episode. I felt like we got into some capers. We got into some <laughs> fun stuff. Uh, we got into some light uh, problematic uh, instances involving a child. Um, yes, yes. All the things we've come to know and love. A child <laughs> from the gypsy culture. We've got espionage. We've got thrills. And we've even got like a, a lot of uh, a lot of MacGyverisms in this episode, I think. We have a lot of and We have Russians. And that makes yeah. any 80s show better. <laughs> We've got bad Russians. It's fantastic. Uh, we're going to get into our discussion, but first we want to bring on our special guest to help us break down the episode. Please welcome our very good comedian friend, Hillary Boone. Hi, Hillary. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Annie. Oh, my Hello. gosh. It's great to have you. Thanks for being on our podcast. It's just so nice to see people who aren't my wife and my baby just for a minute. <laughs> Are you in an attic? You look like you're in an attic. No, I'm not in an attic. I um, We moved into a new house during the pandemic. Um, and part of its charm is that this room is painted pink and has pink carpets. Uh, this is my bedroom. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot. You've got projects going on. you got projects. Uh, speaking of doing projects, um, uh, what, well, what's your history with MacGyver in general? Uh, like, did you watch it as a kid? Right. Yeah, I came up with 90s television, but, um, but in the middle of nowhere in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. So despite... <laughs> being alive at the right time, we only had PBS. And so I'm right. devoid of cultural references. Right. So you didn't see this at all, really? No, but you know, it's a, it's a part of our lexicon when you MacGyver something. So when I saw that you were doing the podcast, I was really excited to kind of like dive in and see what everybody's been talking about for right. my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that everybody is talking about MacGyver anymore. <laughs> <laughs> certain demographics. I wouldn't be surprised though, because you're a very handy person. If it comes, if it comes up more for you than the average person, like, Oh, you really MacGyvered that, or you're a real MacGyver. Exactly. Like you've probably been called one before. Right. The more mullety my hair gets, you know, the more the <laughs> I don't mean a visual. I meant your handiness. Yes, yes. I know, Andy. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, well, let's get into the discussion. Uh, Annie, can we get a little summary of The Thief of Budapest? Yes. So here is a very quick summary. Of course, we always have the opening gambit, which is a separate story as the rest of the episode. Um, and so in <laughs> that... Annie resents every time. <laughs> I just... It makes no sense. But you know what? I will recap it nonetheless. Uh, and in this opening <laughs> gambit, MacGyver is tasked with preventing a tribal war uh, by recovering a valuable, <laughs> wait for it, white horse, which has <laughs> been stolen. Uh, he has to get it back from some thieves in the desert, which he does with the aid of a helicopter. And then we start the episode. <laughs> And what ha happens over in Budapest is MacGyver needs to retrieve a watch that contains a list of spies. Before he can get it, his Russian contact is killed and the watch is stolen by Yana, a young gypsy girl. Their words, not mine. MacGyver <laughs> and Yana become the target of Hungarian and Russian spies and then help Yana's family escape a prison camp in order to recover the watch before finally leading authorities on a car chase through the streets of Budapest and making it over the border. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Just a, a quick hour of television. Okay. Uh, I, I want to throw it to our guest. What was your reaction to watching a MacGyver episode, maybe for the first time? And secondly, we, what did you think of this one? Yeah. Um, MacGyver for the first time, you know, coming into it fresh, I... I thought it would be much more focused on like the United States or like getting into little spy pickles. <laughs> like I didn't realize spy that pickles, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that we would be like globe trotting, that we would be meeting people in foreign lands that strangely all speak English, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with various accents. Um, so I, you know, I found it much more entertaining than I expected, especially the opening gambit. <laughs> <laughs> the opening gambit for me the first thing that i flagged when he goes to uh take that horse back 
is he was putting a saddle on it. And I was like, yes. there's no way MacGyver doesn't know <laughs> like, how to ride bareback, right? That's what I thought too. But then <laughs> and it then becomes important, you right? you realize that they need the saddle because they're going to be rescued and airlifted <laughs> by a helicopter. Um, yes. So those details are, are not lost on me and very important. When the horse finally gets lifted off the ground, the, the saddle the horse is wearing at that point looks much different than the one he put on it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a hook. It's just yeah. a helicopter hook. It's just a yeah. hook, and he's yeah. on he's on the horse. It's absurd and and crazy. There's already, I think, one or two costume changes uh, mm-hmm. from MacGyver before that even happens, which is yeah. becoming one of my favorite uh, <laughs> yeah, MacGyver yeah. kind of tropes. Is he always <laughs> changes into the outfit of the guys he's trying to thwart. He does it a couple times in this episode. He mm-hmm. he yoinks a bad guy off camera and then appears in his clothing. Yes. <laughs> so it quickly. happens a couple yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's break down this gambit because I do feel like this episode, like it finally started to find its voice. Like this feels more like a MacGyver episode that we would mm-hmm. see in like later, later in the season and later seasons. But I wanted to mention, so when we meet this very swarthy Middle Eastern guy <laughs> mm-hmm. who stole the horses, um, he decides to, I thought, oh, for sure they're going to show him praying. And nope. then <laughs> no, instead of praying, no. he whips out a sword and does like some sword practice on a hillside. Yeah, he has the world's most expensive horse. That's yes. what he's stolen. And he's like, right. I'm just going to leave it in this safe yeah. little tent <laughs> right. while I do like an hour of solo right. sword dancing. It was like Tai Chi with a he sword. He obviously <laughs> needs to work on his craft. He takes it seriously. <laughs> um, right. But for somebody who spends that much time practicing his sword work, uh, it leaves a little bit <laughs> to yeah, be desired. <laughs> yeah. Later in the gambit, uh, because he yeah. was taken down by a shepherd's staff. Right, a crook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And that moment was just hilarious to me because I'm like, are these uh, horse thieves in the Middle East uh, familiar with, like, Lancelot-style combat? It, no, it felt like it was a joust. <laughs> yes, right. It struck me as horse bowling. Like he just bowled <laughs> one horse into a pack of horses and it was like <laughs> all and international a- bad guys destroyed. Right, right. There is no disclaimer that I saw about whether no. or not the horse was injured. And right. I think that was a real horse and a real helicopter. And I don't know how you land it. It oh, looked yeah. like when you pick up a dog and the dog's legs go really stiff. But a yeah, horse I don't know how you land that hook. either. I don't know yeah. how MacGyver gets out of that jam either. But you got to land it because there is a stuntman on the back of it. No, it's a film that I think they, they just drop it into the sea like the, yeah, the shuttle. Right. Just <laughs> trying to like, like gently shuttle. as possible drop it into water. <laughs> the chute deploys. Yes. Uh, I love to talk about the little sound idiosyncrasies, but like the, the horse chase down the beach, the hoof sound effects are like hard clay and yeah. they're on like <laughs> super soft sand. Yeah. Um, but then we have like this moment at the end where he says, uh, you know, I'm with you, pal. I hate heights, which is like also becoming a thing where they feel like they need like a little quip at the end to let you know, like MacGyver's a regular dude. Yeah, he does like to end with a little joke, uh, which I do appreciate. I think that one thing about the horse in this opening is that the monologue about the horse actually made sense to the situation right? <laughs> in this episode. Uh, so I was really, I, I feel like they were growing and, yeah, and getting right. better. Hillary, you watched the pilot, right? I watched the pilot, yes. And so you saw the opening gambit on the mountaintop when he talked for 20 minutes about a horse that wasn't there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so they yeah, do I had a, a problem horse, with that. They have a horse fetish on this show for sure. It's some of the only character development that you're getting about MacGyver's mm. past, how he right. came to be. Right. Like there are these like very unrelated things that seem to link him to a childhood like on a farm. Right, right. That's a good point. Maybe. I've been I've been thinking of it as a mansplaining his MacGyverisms to the audience thing, like a device to do that because there's nobody to talk to often. But I hadn't thought of it as like his his backstory, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't hear a lot about his backstory. Otherwise, we know, you know? he has a he. We know he, his mom had a killer chili recipe. You know what I mean? Like we're learning important shit about him. He had a wholesome life. You know, yeah. I I was reflecting on other television shows that use that sort of first person narrator, and I mm. came up with right off the top, you know, The Wonder Years and Sex in the City. Uh, (laughs) The big three, MacGyver, (laughs) Wonder Years, Sex in the City. So that's the gambit. 
I'm excited to talk about when we finally get to Budapest because like this is the first time I felt like, oh, this is going to be like a fun action show um, mm-hmm. finally because we have like a, a lot of different uh, things coming together. We have like spies. We have uh, we get to see MacGyver finally look cool. Like from an 80s perspective, he's got like a crisp white shirt that's open and a leather jacket and sunglasses mm-hmm. and he's eating an ice cream cone. And he's sauntering around like he owns Budapest and he's starting to feel like a spy a little bit more than he has mm-hmm. in the past. And so I really was like, felt like, okay, this has a cool factor that the previous episodes haven't had yet. Yeah, maybe. it felt a little more James Bondy than Indiana mm-hmm. Jones um, right. at, at the opening, anyhow. And we had yeah. some characters that I actually started to be like, okay, like, who are these people working for? And, and that, mm-hmm. um, the story element, I thought was a lot right. stronger in this episode. Right. Well, they, they have the benefit of these this Russian the Russian guy and this Hungarian guy who are working together, right? And all they do is uh, uh, is exposition. That's their yeah, whole job. That's their whole job. And they just beat you over the head with the exposition. My favorite quote from then was, I am Russian. You are Hungarian. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, that's a lot of background I needed. Yes. You know, looking at him saunter around, he's a really interesting character. I think that, like, the James Bond thing, there's, they're, they're, they're bad boys and... Like, at least so far, MacGyver is not, like, a bad boy character. Like, he's super straight edge. And so, yeah, I I was, like, looking at him in his little leather jacket with the glasses. um, It's always an ice cream cone. He's never, like, having a drink. He's (laughs) never, you know, like, it's always the most wholesome thing. And he's always befriending a child. That is a big part of it. And there might be a woman on the side. You know, yeah. a woman on the side, but primarily right. it's like, you know, he's positioned as this big brother sort of father figure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very quickly, very uncomfortably yeah. <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, it was too fast. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was your kid that MacGyver yeah. is all of a sudden teaching them the trade of how to, you know, yeah. do these tricks and you're just like, what? Kissing um, him on the side of the face. I, yeah, I know. I know. It's a very... <laughs> or the mouth. Yeah, not yeah. to foreshadow. <laughs> it does feel like they put Indiana Jones and James Bond and a bunch of other stuff in a little mixing bowl. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, but this is going to go on on network TV on Monday nights. And so right. it needs to be like a little cleaner, a little more straight edge. Plus, I, I don't think we were, um, you know, we've gotten real obsessed with the darker side of our heroes in the last 20 years. Um, mm. And, you know, this is a straight ahead like this guy does the right thing all the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's it's just true. a principled person who always does the right thing. He doesn't and, even kill someone. Yeah, he doesn't you know? kill someone. And one thing I will say is he does waste food because he threw out like half I of that know. ice cream cone. Why? And I was very upset. <laughs> Why did who, he throw away the cone? In the history of ice cream, has <laughs> anyone ever thrown away that much of an ice cream I cone? I don't know. Has it I ever happened? Uh, uh, he had work to do, I guess. So speaking of the work to do, we have to get to that. So he, uh, I loved the fact that there, this watch is the MacGuffin for the whole episode, right? And the spy he's meeting to get it from pulls it out. And mm-hmm. that's how MacGyver is able to identify him. He just pulls out this this knock list. He's out in the open, man. Like that's bad spy craft. And but it also, turns out it's an old friend of his. And old friend. I want to know yeah. what happens at that cafe. Me too. <laughs> the Mozart Cafe, because there's a real homoerotic vibe there. There's something. He just has this smile on his yeah, face, like something he's really. So went down. happy to see him. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah buddy, happy. here we go again. <laughs> yeah, another adventure. Except um, not except for that not. guy. No. Well, he's a bad spy. He's pulled out the watch in the open, and he. Also is a Russian spy who trips on four marbles, mm-hmm. which seems like something if you were a Russian spy, you wouldn't do. Well, Yana, that little gypsy girl, she's right. tricky and she she's... knows how to take down a grown man. She um, sure does. She sure does. I did do a little research about gypsies uh, after this after this episode to make sure that uh, we weren't being super. Uh, I mean, there is plenty of problematic shit in this episode, but also much like some some of the other MacGyver stuff we watched, it does also feel like they're trying to do the right thing. Like they just have very limited yes. information um, about this whole culture. But like they're trying to show racism. They're trying to show prejudice. Uh, they're just doing a terrible job painting the culture that they're... Yeah, and I think the key thing with the gypsy culture is like, 
you can identify as a gypsy and be proud of it. And that's one thing I think. I think identifying other people as gypsies yeah. is where you get into trouble. Right, um, right. And that's where some of that racism comes in. Yeah. 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 So we meet Yana and we give her a little pickpock lesson. And then within a minute or two, she's stealing this watch off of this dead guy. And, uh, you really do kind of feel it. Like mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about in this episode, particularly that maybe one of the strengths of MacGyver, it, and I don't want to overpraise him because I don't think he's a fantastic actor, but I think he is always the best actor. That is true. <laughs> he's that always surrounded by people who are really hamming it up in a community theater way. And he's the only naturalistic actor in the whole fucking yes. show. <laughs> Which maybe is why I read him as not acting at all. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe he isn't. I don't know. Well, I have heard, I have a story from my friend Roger, um, whose dad ran into Richard Dean Anderson at a bar one time. Oh and apparently God. he was just like a very cool laid back guy. They had a couple drinks together and nice. had a great time. So, I mean, I mean based on that yeah. one story. Right. Sure. He looks like I looked him up now just out of morbid curiosity. I like to see what time does to a person. All the pictures of him, he's like pushing a grocery cart and he's just like the most goobery grandfather creature yeah, that yeah. you've ever seen. Which yeah, he's I, I think tracks, you know, yeah. just fine. I, hey, I'll, more power to him. Yep, absolutely. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, Yana runs away, hides in a garbage can. He chases after her, finds her, and she calls him MacGyver, even though he has never told her his name, <laughs> which is just a little uh, fun bit of trivia for this episode. So clearly something <laughs> hit the floor. I um, The fact that this show clearly overdubs every child actor drives me insane. <laughs> right? I didn't know if that was just my TV. Like, I was like, what is no. going on here? And no. what by... Based on how the adults are showing up and the accents that they're employing, like right. how bad was this child actor that her English was not sufficient? I don't think it's the kid. I don't know. I, I think it's a choice by the show because almost it continues and almost every child. And this has been three episodes we watched and there's been a kid in every episode. And ev- each time it's clearly an adult woman doing the voice <laughs> of the child. Maybe back then something like this just kind of passed muster and we didn't because... You know, things have gotten well, better. TVs were blurrier. True, true. And <laughs> well, probably the sound was lousier, too. One of the things that I wondered is if it was a time thing. Like, they only had the kid for so long. Yeah, and right. so they chose not to do however many takes to get right, the dialogue right. right. And they just made the decision to do totally. all of this after the fact. That tracks with a weekly television show where there's a lot to do, for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. In the 80s, did um, children actors go to school? I don't, I don't know. I think there were there were tutors by then, but I don't know what how the laws had like advanced by that time, you know, because now there's like all all sorts of like you have to be doing school for this percentage of time and, you know, whatever. You can't drop a horse in the ocean. There's a lot of rules. <laughs> you know, it's not like the good old days. It's yeah. like when we could pick a horse up with a helicopter. I did find an interview with that girl who changed her name and became a musician. So clearly was trying to distance herself from her child acting past. Hmm. And I also found an interview with Richard Dean Anderson talking about this horse, uh, that horse gambit and the fact that he did a lot of that. Like he did a lot of this stunt riding and stuff, which, you know, you can clearly see the difference between him and <laughs> the stuntman, but, um, which is another thing I find charming about these shows. It's like, there's a moment later on where he slides down a roof where it's just a whole other human being. <laughs> like, it's so clear. Uh, which I love. I love. I love kind of like the, the we've we've talked about this before, but it really does feel like a bit of a play that they're like putting together a play every week, and yes. some of the some of the sets are so clearly sets, and some of the actors are so bad, and you would never have this kind of lousy production value now. And and I think you yeah. would make different choices if you were doing it now. You wouldn't mm. on a shoestring have him in a different international city every week. Right. 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 Like, <laughs> yes. And I think that's going to come into play later in the final, <laughs> the final chase sequence. But also uh, what we're seeing now is the first season, the first season was shot in LA and then they moved the whole thing to Vancouver maybe um, mm-hmm. for the next like four seasons or whatever. So, and it was a budgetary concern. So they were clearly bleeding cash with this like international travel. And you could tell that like that whole prison camp scene, yeah, that was a, all like in LA. Line. Like that was not um, on location. Uh, but we should get through some of the rest of this episode um, and break down what happened. So uh, Yana swipes the watch and then 
it makes the rounds through her family. In the process, um, her entire family is arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Rounded up. Uh, They are rounded up, arrested, and taken to a prison camp. Um, And so before we can do anything else, we need to track down this watch. And also, I think MacGyver feels a little bit of ownership over, you know, making sure this girl is okay. And so he takes it upon himself to go pull this rescue mission uh, at this prison camp. And that's where we see a lot of the MacGyverisms come in. For sure. For sure. Yeah. He Uh, brings her with him to prison camp. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he does bring her. She does wait outside when he's inside the prison camp, Hillary. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty responsible. <laughs> that's yeah, a good right. mentor. Right, right. <laughs> I was thinking if this was any other show, that kid, he'd tell the kid to wait, and then the kid would show up later in the camp. Oh, right? like, no, but he's like, waited? hop in the the truck. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I do want to want to touch on this because the, MacGyver, the MacGyverism that he employs to get into the prison camp is one of the dumbest ones that I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, I have, a, I have a dumber one later in the episode, but please continue. Because he decides to make this like two pieces of plywood with, what is it, light bulbs in the middle of mm-hmm. it. And so his whole plan is he's going to stop this truck right before the gates and he's yep. going to sneak in the back of the truck and that's how he's going to get in. And he totally misses the point that this is a checkpoint the truck has to stop anyway and the whole thing is useless <laughs> i do and, not consider the fact that it has to stop to let the gate open so it's so like, funny. why do we need to stop the truck with this plywood and yeah. then no one is looking everything he can yeah. absolutely just yeah also yana pulled the barricade like in front of the truck with a string <laughs> Like, no one is also looking at the string that leads to the perpetrator in the woods. Well, yeah, and the driver (laughs) briefly gets out to see what's going on, which is, I guess, what they're counting on. So he has the chance to get in the back of the truck. But, like, if that were my car, I'd probably take a walk around the whole thing and just make sure everything was okay. Make sure all four tires are okay. Yeah, like, why did that work? Um, I think that's going to be recurring. Like, why did this work? I'm... I'm on board for this. Like, I love this whole <laughs> sequence. I loved how dumb it all is. And I love how, like, this is what I remember MacGyver as. It's like a whole series of, well, let's create a situation for MacGyver where he has to be inventive, like, seven times in a row. <laughs> it was a caper. You you got to give it that. And then when he gets inside the prison, he is changing costumes multiple times. Yes. First, he's a prisoner. Then he's a guard. Then yep. he's a special guard who gets to run the equipment. There are three <laughs> costume changes in this yep. entire uh, setup just so he can get access to these different areas. And um, we get another nice narration about his mom's chili recipe mm-hmm. <laughs> in the meantime. And and one thing that I will uh, point out here is that he is against guns, but bombs are okay. And that is very confusing. <laughs> oh, my God. But like a bomb didn't have all those same connotations back then. It was just like a just it's a diversion, right? He's not killing anybody. But yeah, we actually like we, I feel like we don't know that because there was an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> there is no follow up. So, yeah, the whole like final bunch of dominoes fall. Right. And he gets to like. You know, he rigs this tractor and he rigs the steering wheel of the tractor and he rigs a wire fence and all this stuff. One of the things I thought was hilarious was at the end of this sequence, they get away and they are driving this box truck like a bat out of hell away from the prison camp, taking enemy fire from machine guns and Mm -hmm. they stop and they have Yana (laughs) run directly into the line of fire to get into the truck. It's like I could hilarious. not believe that that was the shot with the I, the machine guns going off. And they're like, Yana, come yeah, on. They just full stop and open the door. Uh, it was amazing. And she just hops right in. Little yep. Miss Sunshine, yeah. <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine moment. Oh, my God. So, uh, so then we find out the watch has been sold already. We get to now it's evening time and he goes looking for this Reno woman in a bar, (laughs) um, in a bar that is apparently an 1850s Western bar (laughs) (laughs) because they have the wraparound balcony and they have the ruffians and it, uh, it really looks like a Western bar. Yeah. And he meets Rena. If you were concerned that there wasn't going to be a hot woman, uh, to show up and kiss MacGyver for no reason. (laughs) there is one so never fear um 
but before we do that, he throws paprika in their face and is that what it is? And lights it on fire, which it's, is it's some kind of, of brown powder that he throws yeah. up in the air and lights it on fire. I thought that was cool. I like it, it was cool. Maybe. And it was coolly done. Like the way mm-hmm. he did it was like, he was kind of like surreptitiously grabbing all this shit. And then, and then the way he goes, boys, boys, like when he pops up and boys, boys, it's very cool. Like it's a cool move mm-hmm. and he executes it yeah I, I loved it i thought it was like this magician moment it yeah. was one of my favorite inventions this time right, right yeah and it's the moment where he has to show them that like listen i'm not a guy that you mess with like i yeah, i yeah. can fight and i can do these uh paprika magic tricks for some reason <laughs> and you know just leave me alone and let me do what i gotta do yeah 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 and but it's also like this is a trope we see in every western and the difference is they had to do a macgyver version of that because he can't just pull out a six shooter and kill a bunch of guys. He has no. to do something that's impressive, but sciencey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then we get to meet Rena. And uh, what was your take? I'm curious to hear both of your takes on the Rena character. Yeah, the Rena character. Um, I'm so curious about this 80s hot, like the, and MacGyver as a sex symbol, right? Like, like mm. this, this like very genuine man coming in there and just winning over Rena. Um, getting what he needs out of her, you know, as a gift. I thought that was that was super interesting. Um, you know, her her dialogue would just it was almost hard to follow her as a character is how I felt about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty standard with some of the other female characters we've seen so far on this show. There is a hot woman that shows up and she is very interested in MacGyver sexually <laughs> and he has to toe this line of like I'm interested in you, but I'm not going to take advantage. He's just going to treat this like a sort of weird business transaction where (laughs) he still allows her to kiss him. Um, Well, and I I didn't know is was. was she a prostitute? Is that the the thing? Like the women I mean, upstairs? Again, if this or were a Western, she would have been, right? She yeah, would have been the madam that, at the... Yeah. I didn't necessarily assume that. Me I either. thought maybe she owned the bar or yeah. this is sort of like a hangout for folks. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really like assume she was a prostitute. I think what... I mean, I'm projecting here. How can we know anything? But I feel like based on like the music that's playing when all this is happening, it feels like they want it to be romantic. MacGyver can't act on these impulses because he's a stand-up guy and he's got a job to do and she's really interested in him. But like with some nice music, it's I think it's the intention is for us to feel like this is a romantic thing hmm. as opposed to like a sexually charged thing. Um, yeah, because you, you never get that from him. Like the way right, that no. it's written and acted, it's always the women are... DTF, throwing themselves at him. <laughs> and he he is not. He's just like, listen, babe, I got to get right. back to MacGyvering some yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I respect you. Yeah. Like, yeah, thank right. you for what you do. Right. I mean, we shouldn't be complaining that a show in the 80s was like respecting women oh a little God. too hard. Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's also not because they're still painting these women as <laughs> of like, course. Like, oh, is that a strange man no. that's here? Why don't no. I throw myself at him? Yes. The show doesn't respect women, but MacGyver does, which I think yeah. is a step in the right the direction. Important distinction. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly drag my finger over his lips. Yes. Oh. yes. You don't you don't know that move? That's, that's so <laughs> never done hard that? to watch. And I uh, it wasn't a good kiss. Like no. that I, I no. just I found it very cringy yeah, you know, yeah he wasn't into it he but he never really it. is with with um at least in a, in the pilot i'm sort of comparing it to mm. um his relationship with barbara in the pilot which you know never gets yeah. off the ground but the one thing from that scene that i did like was when he um magnifies the names on the watch I thought okay that was so this cool. was the one that i hated <laughs> 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 because <Was> it? <laughs> uh, because it's so clear those names are exactly as visible to the naked eye as they are under his <laughs> improvised magnifying glass there is no value to what he's done i don't know did you guys buy that <laughs> i i thought it it like served the scene because he had sure. to be very close to her um right. for it to work and so i i thought it kind of worked because mm. We were sort of led to believe in this scene, and I don't know how much I agree with this, but what we sort of are led to believe is like he had to flirt with her a little bit to get what he wanted, which is the watch. Right, right. What did you think, Hillary? You know, I I thought to myself, I can read those names with the naked eye, and this this magnifying glass is not doing anything. Uh, (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) 
But yeah, so I agree with you, Nathan. I was, and it seems a little unnecessary. Yeah, Annie, I see your point. It was necessary for the emotion. Right. Uh, right. She needed. Her. She needed to want to give him the watch. Uh, okay, so we have this little scene, and then uh, the cops show up. So she just gives him the watch, and then he, uh, or more accurately, his stuntman slides down the <laughs> roof, and uh, and then um, this little scene in the car, which feels very of the time. He's now in the car with Yana and her brother and the whole family, and they're picking him up, and they're like, "You owe us now. We want to go to America." <laughs> oh my God! It felt like an American tale wrapped up in uh-huh. like every cartoon <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt like this is how the world, what we thought the world looked at us in the '80s, like mm-hmm. that everybody just wanted to be American. And, and and the amount of convincing that it took, you know, for this B storyline to become the primary caper moving forward, like yeah. it, it was just like, well, Yana asked nice. I guess I'll like jump this family out of Hungary, right? And that they're, they're like really re- resting the lever over to the other. Well, you mm-hmm. have the watch; you can just go. But we still have ten minutes of television. <laughs> right. <to> Excellent <laughs> television. We've already filled the first ten with something that doesn't make any fucking sense. So. <laughs> Yeah, and we have to perpetuate the thing we do in every episode so far, which is that America is the best. And this is a little more patriotic than uh, than the previous two episodes, and it's a little more explicit, um, which I yeah. I did not like. Obviously, in hindsight, it, it doesn't really age well. Well, and looking at this through a 2020 lens, you're like, why would you want to come here? Stay in Hungary. All right. Well, we're going to come back and talk about the final chase scene, which I cannot wait for uh, in just a second. But first, we're going to take a pause and have a quick word from a sponsor. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Justin from Venetian Ginger Ale here. Hey, if you love to laugh, then you're going to get a kick out of reading the ingredients on corporate soda cans. If you want something better for yourself, we use all real ingredients. It's water, cane sugar, unfiltered Peruvian ginger juice, lime juice, and we brew it with cinnamon sticks right here in Vermont. Simple ingredients, people. It's easy. Visit VenetianGingerAle.com to learn more about our local history and where you can get spicy ginger ale. That's VenetianGingerAle.com. We are back. Uh, Before we finish our discussion of this episode, uh, we want to find out uh, a little bit more about how inventive our guests and our listeners are. It's time for MacGyverisms. We all know, you alluded to it earlier, Hillary, that MacGyvering is a thing. They added it to the dictionary in 2015. Uh, I want to know, did you grow up doing anything like like with nuts and bolts and... Yeah, I mean, like my first car was a 1994 Purple Cavalier, and I I had the thing strapped together, you know, with stuff from my closet, like, you know, like the the muffler was hanging on with a metal clothes hanger. <laughs> Do you but, have any that you're like particularly proud of, like that you fixed something using an unconventional method? I think the thing that I'm most proud of was was, was so. I was I was on um I was on a study abroad kind of trip in Ecuador and it was Thanksgiving and there was nobody was celebrating Thanksgiving you know what a what a tragedy for this American <laughs> have they considered teenager. moving to America I was like oh my god I'm you so should have gotten them over the border yeah. which is maybe making this even more of a MacGyver story I was like I'm here to help right. <laughs> uh, and so I, I found like a squash like vegetable growing in the garden and I picked it and I brought it inside cooked it down, mashed it up, put in, you know, little eggs, milk, sugar, took, made a crust. And I took a, um, a frying pan actually. And I, I made like the shape of a pumpkin pie and I filled it. And then I put it directly into the fireplace. I was just like, this feels like the right temperature. I feel like I put the coals in the right place. <laughs> this whole thing can go in there and it's going to work out. And it did. Like wow. I served pumpkin wow. pie on American Thanksgiving wow. to my Ecuadorian hosts. Um, that's amazing. Are you like uh, a mecha- like? Were you a mechanical person as a kid? Yeah, I mean, we we grew up like I mentioned without really any access to television. So we were in the woods building <laughs> forts, yeah. um, building. Uh, we would like take my dad's uh, or my parents' um, air mattresses and inflate them while they were not home and ride them down the river. So we would be like, <laughs> <laughs> amazing, <laughs> you know, like pulling together boats and then going on these pirate adventures. <laughs> Yeah, my dad's like, oh, don't buy an air mattress, guys. They never stay inflated. 
You're like, well, yours didn't. And let me tell yeah, you, you why. Yours were dragged over river rocks until 10 <laughs> minutes before you got home when they were shoddily refolded wet and put back oh in your closet. God. Like, that's, that's what so happened funny. there. Andy, do we have any listener MacGyverisms you can share with us? Um, yeah, we do. We have a couple that I thought were good. Um, this one comes from Jim. He said, when I bought my house, there was a piece of siding missing about the size of a small plate. I didn't have any spare siding, so I filled it in with spray foam and let it harden. And then I used a sheetrock knife to cut away the extra. After that, I sanded it and painted the entire side of the house. That was 27 years ago. And it's (laughs) held up so well, I can't find the spot anymore. Wow. So that's, that's got to be a good one if you don't even yeah. know where it happened. Um, and then there's one more I want to say because I can relate to this one. <laughs> this is Bettina said, I wore my favorite dress to school, looked down to notice the hem was coming undone. I borrowed my teacher's stapler where I stapled my dress back together. Um, yes. And as someone who has stapled my clothes together, uh, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, if you start bringing in like... <laughs> you know, like covering up menstrual blood. Like every woman (laughs) is a fucking MacGyver. (laughs) We'll do a whole episode about that. If you have a MacGyverism to share, uh, email us at themacgyverpod at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at themacgyverpod. Let's finish our discussion of this episode. Um, We now have the final chase sequence that starts with uh, uh, MacGyver uh, messing around with the traffic signals and uh, getting three minis, red, white, and blue, to have a car chase with. Had both had either of you seen the Italian job before, and were you immediately like, "This looks like the Italian job," or was that just me? I was immediately like, "This is the Italian job," but apparently MacGyver did it first. Right? Did you have that same feeling, Annie? Or I did, did you not but recognize I. It? I think the original Italian job was before this. Um, Correct. And this is, yeah, like this is the Italian job. This is the Italian job. This entire eight minute sequence is footage from that movie (laughs) that they just like put into the show. It makes no sense. Um, I watched the original Italian job for this podcast (laughs) because I'm like, I've never seen this show before or I've never seen that movie before. I saw the Mark Wahlberg version, but I never saw the original Michael Caine. So I watched that movie. Uh, I do not recommend it. <laughs> I actually watched it recently as well, unrelated yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> I forget why, but it, this it was very fresh in my mind. Then you must have recognized the footage yes. then, yeah. Okay, that um, explains so much. Right? right? Because how did they, like, out of nowhere, you go from just, like, like these ridiculous horse antics to, yeah. like, a car being pulled into a stream. Like, this is expensive. This is dangerous. Right. This is complicated. Right, right, right. It, it just, like, didn't match up with my expectations. Yeah, this is above MacGyver's budget. For sure. Uh, and sophistication of of everything. Now, it was a little sneaky. Like, it felt like, um, so they drive three cars off of a truck, and that's actually, like, MacGyver and, and crew. And so they got, like, three cars, right? So it, for a minute, it looks like we're watching the show. And uh, it wasn't until the street scenes started having, like, a thousand cars in them uh, that I was like, this doesn't feel like MacGyver anymore. This feels like a movie. (laughs) And then you start to see like these chase sequences that they could never ever do in a thousand years. uh, Well, and the, the, the experience of watching it, I, and it went on for so long. I I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, I am here for this. This is fun. (laughs) Perhaps I just, I'm watching a movie about, about a car chase. Right. And I am loving it. After having watched both of them back to back now, I can say, first of all, the original Italian job, the first scene and the last scene are great. And everything in the middle is boring as shit. That was my takeaway. But secondly, uh, this version of this chase is better than the movie. <laughs> because for one very good reason, first of all, it's shorter. It, if you can believe it, in the movie, it goes on for way longer. And second of yeah. all, MacGyver added music to it. There is no fucking music in the oh. movie. So it's just... <laughs> like for fucking yeah, 20 minutes my my opinion about the movie is that it takes them forever to do everything the scenes are so boring yes, and they're long so boring and it's and unnecessary it, it, unnecessary yeah. like um <laughs> but with that being said i thought the chase really worked in this uh show and you did okay end, you liked it 
Yeah, the end was exciting. Um, I mean, it works as a chase scene because it is a chase scene in a movie that they put right. a lot of effort into. And uh, what I thought was funny was even the gag where they grab the chicken off the guy's plate and pull it into the car and eat it inside the car. That's in the movie. It's just oh different people eating the chicken. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Which I sort of love. I mean, yeah. that's this show MacGyvering something. Right. I yeah, mean, right, that right. is, <laughs> that's, really, that's what it looks like. inventive. <laughs> when you take whatever they think a gypsy is and you add MacGyver, they're right. taking chickens yeah. <laughs> in a moving vehicle from somebody at a restaurant. Oh my God. We do get a few MacGyverisms. Oh, I love a good backplate scene in a car mm-hmm. i love a good terrible scene where like some teamsters moving the car and there's yes. like shitty footage behind them but like we do get a few macgyverisms like we he, we ta- he tapes the two radios together right or he has the girl do it um that's the this is by the way the first instance of using duct tape in the show and mm-hmm. then uh and then he gets he pulls over we do get a little macgyver scene like they actually shot pulling over and getting the balloons and sending the balloons up and then we're right back into the italian job and the purpose of the two radios was to interfere with each other right that was what he was doing he was yeah he was putting rock and roll as yana said Mm -hmm. it through the police radio so that you know everyone trying to communicate with each other to find macgyver just hears rock and roll because usa which is just like horrible to their communist ears right right um all right so yeah so we get to the border and i mean this is so ridiculous first of all they crash through the border the, the border checkpoint and are not shot at or asked to stop <laughs> at all. Just three cars go screaming through the checkpoint. And then uh, we have this incredible, badly acted moment where someone screams MacGyver <laughs> over the border <laughs> and says, I'll remember him. Uh, I don't believe that character ever comes back. So <laughs> I think they wanted to leave it open. Short though. memory, it turned right. out. He <laughs> actually just forgot about him. But MacGyver, um, what, do you, what does he do? He talks to the border guard for like nine a seconds second. maybe less. Yeah. <laughs> claps him on the back yep. <laughs> and yep. then they are good to go they are u.s citizens i now. believe what he says is when he jumps down from the checkpoint is you got it and they all cheer it's very real patriotic i love that russian guy because he's so clearly an american actor doing mm-hmm. a terrible russian accent because it really does, it feels like that's what we thought of the Russians, that they're like these like slicko, you know, like with these evil plans. Um, I was watching this with my husband and he was like, is that supposed to be a Russian accent? And right? I was like, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we have, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit before, but the moment at the end where he gives the kid the knife and she gives him the watch uh, is just a little too affectionate. Yeah, uh, not the watch, the uh, the saint uh, oh, chain. Oh, right. It's the her chain. Right, her right, right. Uh, patron saint of thieves chain that she wears. Right. But yeah, boundaries are a problem in this scene. <laughs> yeah, and Yana like leaves her family, you know, as they watch her go say goodbye. It's like, right. you know, Elliot and E.T. And MacGyver kisses her on the mouth. Yeah. That happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's really interesting that she doesn't have a mom in this um, oh, weird. scene or this like crew. Like, it's a yeah. bunch of men and no one is clear yeah. on how they're related to her. And I right. just feel like, had there been a mom in the scenario, none <laughs> right. of this would have right. happened. Right. She wouldn't have been shot at by machine guns. She <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't worry but about her. She can vanish like a shadow in the sunshine (laughs) it just seems like a very convenient almost like disney-esque it's like this urchin doesn't have any parents they're just gonna be in the mix here um so that was strange street rat um but you make a good point that like if this were a different show or a different movie then uh this would be the goodbye that the that the romantic lovers say to each other. Like mm-hmm, they take right. a step away from the family. They they have a tender moment with one another and then they kiss each other on the mouth. Like it, it would have been a romantic scene if the kid had not been fucking seven years old. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it just speaks to the Harvey Weinsteins of the world producing these shows in the 80s, right? You know, all those guys were producing these shows. Oh. Uh, yeah. I hate to leave it on that. <laughs> I hate to leave our discussion. Yeah, this what were on you doing, the Fonz? Why'd <laughs> right. you let this through? <laughs> uh, so far, he hasn't been me too, but uh, <laughs> we should be fair. Let's finish this thing. Oh, yeah, no we problem. just have uh, one more segment left. Yeah. Uh, we are looking to ascertain the best episode of MacGyver. And so all three of us are going to rate Thief of Budapest 
from one through ten on six different categories. The first question. Uh, how exciting uh, was this episode on a scale of one to ten? What do you think, Hillary? I gave it a nine. Okay. I thought it was action packed. I say eight. I went high on this. Great. I'm going to give it a nine too. I really think this is like going to end up being one of the, probably one of the better ones of the first season, at least um, in terms of excitement level. Um, Acting and writing. We lump those together. All right. I gave the acting a three and the writing a five. And so I averaged that out to a four. (laughs) Okay. There were lots of low points in the writing, like... um, Yeah, oh, for sure. There's a quote I pulled out. The man who said life is like a bowl of cherries had it wrong. It's like a bowl of Hungarian goulash, hot and sticky, and I'm not that hungry. (laughs) What? What? What What does that mean? What in the... I feel like you're just not aware of these cultural sayings that everyone knows. (laughs) It's probably because you didn't have television as a child. I I don't know. Everybody says life is like a bowl of goulash. It's... Hot and sticky. We also missed the nice tender moment where she asks, why do pe- why are people like this MacGyver? And he said, some people just are afraid of people who run free. Who run free. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And just foreshadowing the US of A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, the dialogue is low, but I felt like the number, like the number of things that happened in 48 minutes was actually pretty tight. True. So yeah. that's that's why it averaged. Yeah, out I guess five. for me, the pacing is always a little bit off in this show, and yeah. it's always like we have <laughs> one extra step that did not need to happen. Right. right. Uh, so I'm going to give this a five overall. Five. Okay. I'm going to give it, a, I'm, I'm always just a tiny bit higher. I'm going to give it a six. Sheer innovation, the innovation factor of MacGyver's stuff in this episode. What do you think? Okay. Everything. Everything in MacGyver moving forward for me will be based on a 10, which is using chocolate bars to stop sulfuric acid. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that deflates my scores a little. I gave it a six. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, Yeah. This isn't, I guess this isn't like number of, uh, because if it was number of, we'd be pretty high here, but this is like the innovation factor. What do you think? Yeah. Number, Yeah. yeah. Number of would be high, but I would say overall, I would say five because the light bulb, um, plywood. (laughs) Really hated that. And also, I really did. And also the bomb thing I thought was dumb and unnecessary. Uh, Paprika thing was cool. I made a rubric because I'm a project manager in my real life. And so I ranked every single escapade or every single invention. Oh, my God. Wow. And I gave the bomb an eight and the light bulbs a two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you really put t- thought into this. Wow, amazing. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, I'll give this a five as well. Uh, the message, uh, this, this is like how strong the message of the episode was. I don't know, what do we think the message was in this one? I mean, I would say the America's great. They really hit us over the head with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there, you know, it, there's this like American savior thing going on. Mm-hmm. It is very uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I found the feel good message to be uncomfortable. Like just based on how I felt at the end, uh-huh. I ranked this a two. I wonder if that actually <laughs> means it should be an eight <laughs> because we're we're like rating yeah. from one to ten how strong the message was. Uh, oh, oh, I but, thought. Well, mm-hmm. uh, well, let me re rank then, Nathan. No, so if I'm thinking to. about just how strong the message was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole second half was really him saving a family in the, by fleeing to America. So maybe a six. Whatever you think. Um, I, I'm going to go high. I'm going to say eight for this because I think okay, that perfect. they were very clear that uh, communism is bad and uh, capitalism and America is good, whether or not we agree with that. Um, that was the message. I'll give it a five. Uh, 80s cool factor. How cool how All 80s, right. 80s cool this? factor. Um, th- well, that opening scene with the mullet, with the glasses, with the leather jacket, right. the, the kissing that lady to get the necklace. Mm-hmm. The music is really good. I we um, haven't talked about the music at all eight. on this show yet, and the music is above average for this. It's like, really good. Show. I know. It's very good. It's like a John Williams quality yeah, score. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. the hell does that come from? Yeah. It's been in my head as I go through the rest of my life. Yeah, we yeah. still have synthesizers and stuff, but there's quite a bit of like orchestration and horns and stuff. It's very cool. The other thing that I like about this show from the 80s is that we no longer have like long opening credits and closing credits. So I appreciate that the opening credits are really long and it's like a highlight of his whole first season Mm. and that the closing credits are photographs or like stills of (laughs) the highlights of the episode. And so I think that's super 80s cool too. Like anytime that something just like freezes in a frame of victory. Yeah. Yeah. So I give it an eight. Love it. What about you, Annie? 
cool factor. I I said eight for this as well. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a nine because I just fucking love that that ice cream shot is so <laughs> so fucking cool to me. Uh, all right, and finally, how how does it hold up from on a scale of one to ten in, in 2020? I mean, <laughs> there are some really awkward tropes, but it is fun to watch. Like True. we got through it. Um, my wife and I enjoyed it. I'll give it a four. Okay. I agree. I say four. I think that the uh, the communism and the gypsy stereotypes yeah. <laughs> coupled with the writing of women and the relationship with the child. Yeah, that's a four. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I take all those points. I think this was less problematic than the last one for me. So True. I'm gonna, well, that's your bar. Uh, all right. So uh, a couple of bonus points uh, that it will get 10 points if any of these things is true. Uh, so does he help out an old friend? Now he says the word old friend, but I wouldn't call that's he doesn't <laughs> really help him. He lets him die. Dead. So <laughs> it's not like the plot doesn't revolve around. He him reconnects an with an old friend. He does. I don't know. You want to give it five points? Let's that? give it a half for okay, that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance? No. No. Uh, is there a dream sequence? <laughs> no. no. And he, is he detained against his will at any point? No. He really no. isn't in this one. He's a real hero in this one. No, uh, he's just saving people. He's not detained. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you. And now the results out of a total of 220 possible points. This episode receives 119 points beating out the previous two episodes and making it, so far, the best episode of MacGyver ever. (laughs) Any final thoughts from either of you on this episode? I hope that more episodes of MacGyver um, that we we rewatch are going to be like this one because this was really fun. I think the same. I'm I'm excited. I hope... uh... I'm sure it will disappoint us, <laughs> um, but I'm but I'm excited that it's getting better. What do you think, Hill? Yeah, I, I think it's picking up, and um, I'm you know, and if you ask around enough, you can find someone in your life with a CBS All Access Pass, and I've done mm, that. So nice. you know, Good I'm know. I think I'm here for the next couple at least. I'm going to see how this goes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you to Hillary for joining us, and thank you all for listening. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz. Uh, if you want to watch old episodes of MacGyver, as Hillary mentioned, you can steal a password, or you can pay for CBS All Access, uh, or you can watch it on Amazon Prime for a, a buck an episode. Uh, next week, we'll be breaking down Season 1, Episode 4, The Gauntlet. Take care, everybody, and remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, Friends, friends are, are the, the adventures, adventures of, of life. life. <laughs> Fantastic. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.